prelude to a fascinating day. I'd woken up in London, that London again, and I had that gnawing, awful unwonderment at everything. Why are we so bloody determined to squat this tiny fucking island and destroy the fruits of export, import, starve the kids, jab the elderly, rot the fish, lick the flag, put up the ladder, pull it up again, silence the peaceful, defend the ugly, don't pay the nurses, overstuff the offshore wank banks. Wake up, 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 wake up. Fascinating day. Everything today seems, well, just fascinating. This episode of Not Even Music is zeitgeistic, contemporaneous, coexistent, cotaminous, attendant, concomitant, a fascinating day. I woke up as curious as a cat called Claude. Debussy, you understand. The morning was chilly and bright. I cranked up the coffee machine, had a cold shower because I wanted that start. And I put on the immeasurably brilliant LBC presenter and broadcaster and writer and general dog's bollocks. Sorry, Claude Debussy. I'm talking about James O'Brien, J-O-B, Mr. J-O-B to you. He's on LBC, which takes a bit of fiddling on my kitchen wireless. LBC. I still always forget what it means. London's belligerent chrysanthemums? Lavishly buttered cauliflower? I know, googly woogly googly woogly, but one rule of these little castlets of pottery is that I do not Google. If something is trapped in the corner of my mind, in the corner of my mind... I stare at the wall until something comes. If not, change the subject. It's all allowed, as Adrian said. Anyway, uh, Mr. James's redonkulously brilliant, hotly divisive and just the ish right side of bloke weary with it all approach to good talk radio. Uh, it sort of fairly matches his two pretty ace books, actually. One, how to be right in a world gone wrong. And how not to be wrong, not in a world gone right, but the art of changing your mind. So, he's done two things here, they're clever sod. Firstly, he's well off the hook for, well, in 2013, he said... He's also seemingly named these ferociously beautiful books after two B-sides that Lamont Dozier Holland penned, late 60s, floor fillers, I'm thinking, The Temptations, <clears throat> How to be right in a world gone wrong How not to be wrong The art of changing your mind hmm. Not really hot from the mansion of Scansion, but if Paul Young doesn't get his big gorgeous chops around these in the next two years, I'll make sure I leave my hat in the Airbnb. I need to talk to our mutual mate, Curtis Steigers. How I love that man. How I wanted your hair, your waistline, your career. Now I have scant of either. I have neither. But I have your friendship. I mean, if some funky fairy was to waggle the wand and say, Ian, it is 2021. Whose hair, historically, would you have coveted? And I grant you a 
King Charles II. Mm-mm, that's a wig. B. Peter Mandelson, circa 1983. Mm, maybe. Bit glossy. C. Elton John, 1966 to present day. No, pointless. D. Phil Spector. Mm. E. Cher. Yeah. Cher hair. Yeah. Cher. Or F. James O'Brien. Oh, don't be daft. What is this? Some sort of cross-pollination of lads I'm loving. What are you, O fairy? You've got algorithmic dust on your wand end. Mm? Or G. Curtis Stigers. Well, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Quintuple yes. Which reminds me, Basil Brush can do one. Yes, 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 yes. That is not Basil Brush. He's become the fedora of the Britbox Titian Woodlander puppet generation. Truly good medicine would be the hair of Stigers and the brain and definitely the shed of O'Brien. There we are. I wonder how James and Curtis know each other. Showbiz Lodge? I think they both know everyone. Does everyone that knows everyone know each other or just everyone else? So... James is on the radio. Christ in tights. Daniel in denier. Herod in hose. What would Schlockdown have smelt like with this clever scamp's morning show missing from my life? Well, you know, this and Elms, of course. I love me, my Robert Elms. He's over on Radio London. I wonder if they know each other. Everything is fascinating in its own way doesn't actually take much for this old fool to get the sparkle on. I'm in London, but I had to get the keys cut for my little seaside gaff for my guitarist and most excellent friend, David Preston, who has played with Curtis Stigers, but probably not with James O'Brien, but you never know with Showbiz Lodge. I remember that gig. It was a big old open-air summer concert in Kew. There's a natural amphitheatre there, and as I recall, it was the wondrous Claire Teal, my co-colleague these days at Jazz FM. Excellent new big band show, Sunday evenings, and the best Julie Andrews impression this side of James O'Brien. Wouldn't that be good? Butter those parsnips, Jimmy. Yeah, it was a fine band. Pete Long waving his arms, shouting. Georgina Jackson, ace on vocals and trumpet, and Curtis and me. Curtis killed Billy's bounce. David Preston went off to my flat this morning to the beach with his guitar and hopefully the cut keys that will actually open the doors. We're back at Ronnie Scott's Club in early June. Four shows over two nights I'm doing. Four shows over two nights. Joni and Bowie tunes, new arrangements. Nothing, 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 nothing. Then four gigs in two days. I can hear my neighbour now. They're like bosses. They're like bosses. They're like bosses. Well, never mind the 159 that judges past my balcony. I always want to do that scene from the railway children, lean over my balcony as if it's a dry stone Yorkshire wall and, and stare and wave, stare and wave at the masked 159ers on the top deck in my flinty grey twill gaiters and flat cap and cry, Give our love to Daddy! as the steam-charged green chubby snake puffles and pounds its way south to that London where Daddy is in Wandsworth Prison. Yeah, the gigs. Four in two nights. Four in two nights. 
Never mind those 12 boxes of incense sticks that I erroneously requested on Amma fucking Zon. 12 in each box. That's 144 fucking incense sticks. I thought there were only 12. My flat smells like Hastings, and I haven't even opened the box yet. Which reminds me of that awful, awful day yonks ago when I marched into Brixton Village Market and brightly asked the striking young woman in the shop... Do you sell jock straps? No, 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 we don't, she very quietly said. Oh, I offered. But I can smell them everywhere, I said. Her alarm increased. It was all in the eyes. She put her cap down and bangles jangling. She looked me square in the peepers. My eyebrows were indignant and high with disbelief. Do you mean jostics? Yeah, I mean... Jostics. I switched James O'Brien off and I left the flat to get the keys cut for Dave, as I said before, to go to my flat in the seaside, as I said before. Miraculously, the little shop was essentially open. Uh, I recognised the two guys from previous key-cutting incidents, born mostly of my inability to, well, hold on to keys. Oh, it's compulsory to lose keys at least once a year, said my friend Mark. Well, not when you're trapped in the common parts in your pants and it's the hottest day of the year. Thank fuck for the Swiss cheese plant, that's all I can say. The comforting whine of the key-cutting grinder, shaping up my two brand new shiny gold keys. I thanked Oberon, or Matt, I can't remember who's who in there these days. Anyway, I thanked them and I said, Ah, you've got LBC on, James O'Brien. He'll be talking about buttering your parsnips soon. Came there nothing in return. I crept out onto Lower Marsh. I could see the kegs of beer being rolled into the pub. There was a small van unloading books onto a wheelbarrow. The young Vic's doors were open. The sun was shining. And the old lady with the pink hair and the pug was on her phone outside Sainsbury's. She bent down and gave Taser, the rough sleeper, a large baguette a bag of oranges and a fiver. The pug licked Taser's hand and everything felt fine. Conversion therapy. The deal was done. I'd sold my beautiful Brixton flat with its pea-shingled back garden, with its high yucca bought from Sissinghurst and its surrounding artier-than-thou neighbourlings. Lucy and Laura upstairs had become firm friends, family really to me, and they adored Flossie, my gorgeous Battersea babe lurcher collie cross, Flossy of the honeycomb eyes and the prima ballerina front paws. Flossy of the dancing on her own, the dancing on her back legs after we'd danced to celebrate the new millennium. Mary Wilson, the fabulous beehived hairdude singer, met Flossy at a rehearsal room in North London and Mary instantly compared her to the marvellous Debbie Harry of Blondie fame. Debbie's head was a little too large for her narrow, elegant shoulders, too. Flossie crossed three and a half partners. 
I say half because there was a book-ending situation with two long-term partners in the middle and, I suppose, some dalliances. All good friends now, of course, that's me. I was at the Edinburgh Festival. It was a freezing, rainy August 1998 and I met an interior designer who was just starting out. I'd sold Brixton and I had an inkling I wanted to move to the less vibrant East Dulwich. Less crowded, better air, but more importantly, a house to convert. The interior designer, a beardy bloke, he knew another beardy bloke who knew another beardy bloke who knew a beardy contractor. And after about four or five pints, I'd agreed to spend a shitload of money making the two top floors and the roof of this terraced house in the sleepy Dulwich back road into the middle two pages of a fashionable, glossy, minimalist magazine. I moved into my manager's lovely made of veil flat with Flossie and the two suitcases, for, well, I suppose for a few months, until the conversion was done and, well, dusty. By six months it was still dusty, but no one had dusted. Ten months passed. Charlotte was living in Germany. She'd been burgled twice. I was installed to help fend off intruders and I broke the oven. I trailed honey across a very swish new light grey carpet. I locked myself in twice and out three times. Oh, and something happened with the radiator in the hall. I just had it removed like rotten teeth. Best plan, really. I couldn't really work out whether my friend Charlotte, whose lovely and very kindly lent flat, was amused hotly and rightly so too angry or just flabbergasted by the monthly modifications that her maid of L pad was withstanding notwithstanding my hip and minimalist palace in Dulwich was finally ready the snagging was desnagged a few rough edges once that final wedge was cleared was a thing of beauty though, all Iroko worktops, concealed lighting, a mooted phase four up into the attic with a skylight, all done in the colours of the Festival of Britain, so a pale blue, a deep aubergine, snot green and a shade that could only be described as dried nosebleed. The first thing that happened uh, was that I was contacted Tacted by a small slew of those interior lifestyle magazines. And I quickly learned that nothing says authenticity at home more than somebody from the art department of weird depressing new homes or clutter-free shit missing millennium dream home <laughs> and all that flaffling about clean lines and simplifying the energy of a room with block colours and hiding 25 years of tat and shit behind sleek pop-open cupboard doors. And these young stylists brought extra tat into my home. Hmm? Try as I might, nothing but nothing do I want ever in my home or garden that is a Union Jack flag. They were everywhere in those days. Why? What do you mean? Can we lose the piano? What is this? Unliving, etc. How to make your safe place, your lovely home, into the most dreary and misery-inducing shithole ever known to man or woman? But I had an album out and a tour. I had a very dynamic and passionate young manager called Darren, who was an academic, but we shared exactly the same thrill in very specific kinds of singing. 
And well, he single-handedly put me on the recording and touring map in, in America. Not the easiest of things to do in those pre-Jamie Cullum days. I was the kind of guy you'd like to share some pints with, the LA Times. Well, hardly these days, as I was foolishly buying into this spanking new minimalist lifestyle. More the kind of guy who still pops into the Lordship Lane kebab shop for a large chips and a Diet Coke. The flat was Feng shui for another glossy called Feng Shui. Tasha was delightful, gentle, curious, and very willing to mention my new collaboration with the legendary US pianist Cedar Walton. And our debut, thanks to Darren, my manager then, on the equally legendary West Coast label, Milestone Records, got amazing reviews. Tasha, from Feng Shui, carefully placed pebbles, told me to keep the bog seat down, and quietly ascertained that there would be negative energy in the bedroom. Well, I say bedroom... Uh, If I said sleeping space, then you'd get where this was coming from design-wise. Well, I can sleep anywhere. Airport floors, chilly cars parked up in motorway service stations. I've even spent the night vivid of soul and numbed by Negronis in a skip on Soho Square. Another time. I'd sourced a beautiful original Eames chair with footstool and it was placed in the chilling space i'm not even kidding you and the satellite interior designer was called thomasina obviously thomasina and thomasina said you must not put a cushion on it mustn't i call the police i love cushions i've always loved cushions even as a kid they were my personal safety buffers cushions made makeshift beds on sleepover floors they were propped up to make easy chairs in student flats they were dog themed they came from india they had david bowie on them from habitat they were itchy smooth they were given and received gifts they were tasked tanked dog themed they came from india from habitat they were given they were received pom-pommed velvet tapestry one large chocolate brown one was full of lit Little tiny polystyrene balls and had a treacherous sip. We've all seen Muriel's wedding. I will put a cushion wherever I like. Thomasina or Grayametta or Malcomesia. I just on the Christmas show at the South Bank with my gorgeous jazz singing sister from another barista, the divine Claire Martin. I hadn't had a drink. I wasn't going to be tempted yet again to the colony, that fabulous two-roomed club in Soho's Dean Street. I drove home. I put the key in the door. Flossie Dog was thrilled to see me as usual, and she asked me when the fuck I was going to put a carpet up the stairs so that her eagerness to greet me didn't sound like an overly played bad drum solo. She asked me not to switch the windows off, for this was a ridiculous touch in the sleeping space. Remote control, magic glass on, there's the sky, off, there's the glass, black as an icy November lake. She also asked me, could I please dump the violinist? He's just annoying. He doesn't really look at her, doesn't care, doesn't give a biscuit. It just hurts, and I think it hurts you too, Ian. And he never throws this for me to catch. We had a cuddle. I settled into my Eames chair with its cushion. Uh, 
for those extra lower back support moments. Come on, floss. And like an ageing ballerina, my beautiful 13-year-old ginger girlfriend scudded across the ply floor like a pissed figure skater and leapt into my arms. Hello, lovely girl. There was a mighty crack, followed by another crack, and then what sounded like the best firework display any suburban backyard has ever known. You know, the one where Dad forgot to put the baked potatoes in, then he remembered, and they were in the bonfire, and he's now juggling them, dancing around in his wellies and his shorts, like he's a Guy Fawkes, Dad's do, don't. Shards of beautiful old turned wood shot all round the room, the fireworks stopped. Flossie and I lay in each other's arms on the flattened Eames office chair, now supine, or is it supine, on my arsey ply floor, in my arsey millennium flat in arsey Dulwich. The silence that followed was deafening. Flossie and I were eye to eye. She gave me a single tiny whimper and I whispered into her caramel-coated, velveteen, floppy ear, pack your suitcase, Floss, we're moving to Kent. Not Even Music, written and read by Ian Shaw, was produced by Jamie Safir. Original music by Tristan Ryder. <laughs>